G'day, this is Scott. And this is Marty. Welcome to this episode of Church Unchained. So welcome to this very first episode of this Church Unchained podcast. Uh, here at Church Unchained, we're going to be exploring dangerous and innovative ideas for the church in all its shapes and forms. Each episode, we'll welcome a special guest or two who will help us unpack an idea. We want to hear from you too if there's ideas you'd like us to explore. Why don't you drop us a line at communications at ucaqld.com.au. Marty, what are we up to today? Today we talk to Stephen Rothery and Craig Batty, both ministers in the Uniting Church in Queensland, about how virtual reality is changing our world and why it should matter to us. My name is Craig Batty. I'm one of the ministers at Indrapilly Uniting Church. I'm Stephen Rothery. I'm the Youth and Families Minister at Cleveland Uniting Church. Um, so today, getting together, we, we wanted to kind of, you know, take advantage of, I guess, this conversation around Pokemon Go that's popped up for some of us out of completely nowhere, um, to kind of just initially to say, what's this thing? But then to think a bit about what, what's this a sign of, or what's the bigger picture here? Of, you know, this is the first maybe thing that lots of us have seen around augmented reality, and maybe we'll talk about some of the other things that are coming down the line. But can, can one of you guys just in 30 seconds, make sense of Pokemon Go for the for the for those of us who don't know anything about it. Um, okay, um, from my limited experience, I've been playing it for a little bit of time just to see what, what it's about, although I've got to say it's quite addictive once you get involved with it. It's an augmented reality game where you can use your phone to, to move around your neighbourhood and connect with different places, landmarks in your neighbourhood, build a um, repository of, of Pokeballs, as they say, connected to the, to the, the Pokemon... Um, cartoon anime which was back in the 80s and 90s I think 90s 90s and then connect, um, capture Pokemon capture them all um, was the uh, was the catchphrase and so um, there's a bit of a competition out to try and get as many as you can um, there's some rare ones floating around that you can pick up on um, but the other thing is that you get to interact with other players through battles but also in the real world, you actually see people wandering around with their phones, so you can actually stop and say hello and, uh, and, and meet new people that way as well. well. Why do you reckon it's captured so much imagination or attention so quickly, this, this game? Yeah, I, I think that one's um, really about when they've released it. Uh, this is the first time that Nintendo have put their IP onto a smartphone platform in a, in a decent okay. way. And also, I played... Pokemon on the Game Boy to bits when I was in school. So in the same way that things like uh, the Lion King the musical made squillions of dollars for Disney because everyone getting all nostalgic, um, I think that for those of us who lived and breathed this stuff in school to be able to play it again is fantastic. And I think the fact that it's free uh, on all these platforms and uh, connecting with a whole different range of people who play the game in very different ways. Like my friends and I... You know, we play Pokemon Go in cars, we drive to good locations and we, we get Pokemon, whereas you see all the teenagers kids, they're out stomping in the streets, mm, they're yeah. playing it on foot. So th- there's several very different ways that different age groups are playing this game. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, it's doing a really good job of being accessible yeah, in a number of really uh, fun ways. And there's a whole group of new people who have never seen or heard of Pokemon before now getting right into Pokemon. I mean, the youth group that, that um, we uh, lead out on Friday nights, they're all into it. It's great. <laughs> so they wouldn't have been alive in the 90s when, the, when so Pokemon came so out. So actually, is it crossing <coughs> generations? I think, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
we have we do mainly music at our church and you know i was talking to the parents the people who bring their kids about pokemon go and they were very keen to know that our, our place was a pokey stop so. Well, let's talk about that because it was only released on the 6th of July and yep. really quickly it became apparent that a whole lot of churches are pokey stops or rest spots or uh, pokey gyms. How did that happen? Basically, the, the game that came before Pokemon Go um, that was put together by Google, called. Ingress. Ingress, that was um, it, yeah. it used a lot of the landmarks out of Ingress, which I think harvested data out of things like Google Maps and mm. other places and also things that people had created. So some of the fun names that That's some it. of the Pokestops yeah. have, um, I think, comes from Ingress players. Um, but it's interesting in that this has been something that was like generated at the game's release. So the, unlike Ingress, there's been no way that businesses or community organisations can pay to have themselves be a stop, mm-hmm. um, which is which is very interesting. It'll be um, interesting to see long term how that plays out in terms of, you know, because it's very beneficial for businesses and other yeah, places that are a pokey stop or a gym or the yeah yeah or a gym. <coughs> so so, dumb question, uh, you've actually got to go to a place yes. in the real world to interact with. What's going on in that place in the game? That's yeah, right. Yes, you're going to be what five meters away. Yeah, so yeah you need to. So away. if a church is a gym or a pokey stop or a rest stop, yep. people have actually got to go stand. Yep. It's in, about in that place. Yeah, Indrapilly is a is a poker stop, and there's another poker stop about 100 meters down the road. So we've got people wandering backwards and forwards between mm. the two places to um, to collect their poker balls so they can then go and collect more Pokemon. Yeah, that's and, right. And what is so? What is Indrapilly? I mean, do you say get eight of these folks who are a lot of them don't hang around, but yeah. we have we have tried to make them feel welcome at, at the place. We've got an electronic sign now at um, in front of the church, and so we've we've advertised to say we are a poker stop, so pop on in if you like. We have cookies um, if you want to stop, and it's just to offer hospitality. Are they real really, cookies or no? We have real cookies. cookies. We'll have okay. if they, if people, cookies. <laughs> not just poker cookies, but yeah, real cookies. Um, if people want to come in and say hello, they and, and stop in for a, a drink, cup of tea, or a biscuit, yeah. cookie. Um, they're welcome to do that, and it's really just to offer hospitality to people. We're really fortunate at Cleveland in that our pokey stop is about 10 metres from the front foyer of the church. So during our uh, time in between services yesterday morning, I threw down some lures mm. on the pokey stop, which <coughs> co- uh, coincide with the morning tea as well. So um, unsurprisingly, a bunch of kids and other folks sort of started to mill around and sit on the little bollards in the space out the front of the church. Yeah. So you have digital cookies and real cookies going on at the same time. That's right. Mm. We, we, they, we do a rocking morning tea at our church, and um, we weren't exactly doing any intentional connecting with the folk who are there at the same time, just aligning these two events. Same with youth groups. So yeah. we would throw down lures um, in between youth group. And the, you know, even our own kids and families and parents were excited about that. Yeah, it's been a, been a, fun, a fun point of connection. And... Uh, it's been surprising, I think, for some of the other older folk in the church to even realise who's playing this game and who's yeah. mm. not. It's not just the kids. No, they're very surprised when I pull out my phone and you know go to yeah. the pokey stop and. So I guess that in some ways it's you know part of the opportunity here for us as church is actually just to have fun with people yeah. in our mm. community and within the church and beyond. Yeah. That yep. we're part of the world and this is a you know it's a fun game that a bunch of people are into and yep. why not join in? Mm-hmm, definitely. So what can the church learn, not just from Pokemon Go, but augmented reality, and then if we look at virtual reality, what are some of the opportunities that the church could have? 
Yeah, I think I think for me, the thing for us to keep in mind with games like Pokemon Go, which are a very limited sort of augmented reality, is I think that games like this illustrate that for a lot of folk who've grown up uh, with technology throughout their whole life, this sharp divide between the real world and the digital world doesn't even make sense to mm. talk about those two things being very separate. That everywhere you are, um, you know, you've got this overlay between the real world and what's going on online you know you're connected with your friends irrespective of where you geographically are um, you're sharing information about landmarks and places and mm -hmm. likewise for a church the question is you know how are we present not just physically in the community but online you know I, I would say that you know if your church isn't online or on Google Maps or on Facebook you might as well not be there um, for people under a certain age because you know it, it's how I mm. find out information about when places are open or what's happening and how are we deliberately engaging across both of those uh, being present in those two spaces because I think that this game illustrates uh, that reality yeah. that perhaps a lot of folk who are a bit older hadn't even understood that people had always seen you know this online world as being something completely removed mm. from the physical world being it's not real that's right so it's less in some way that's right, that's right. It's not, not real, you know, the relationships you have aren't real because most people just observing see kids just staring at a screen. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, some of the experiences I've had with friends playing World of Warcraft mm. were very um, important uh, in terms of relationship building. You know, we had lots of great times exploring and adventuring together and yep. to an outside observer who didn't see and understand what was going on beyond the screen, they wouldn't see that. But I think that Pokemon Go has perhaps brought that out in public in a very big way. Mm. Yeah. The uh, TED talk that you sent through, Stephen, which we will put a link to in the blurb, mm. um, was really interesting. And I loved uh, that he was talking about the fact that in the next generation's time, they won't be calling it virtual reality because it will just be reality. Mm. That's mm. just how the world is going. And it's not going to be a strange thing to be able to access information in that way. Yeah, well, it, specifically with virtual reality, I think the key thing to keep in mind as a difference between virtual reality and augmented reality is augmented reality is still confined to physical space. Mm. So if we're playing a game or we're doing an activity in augmented reality, we can only still occupy the same physical space and things that are limited like our physical mm. size in relationship to other people and other places are still fixed. Whereas, yeah, with, with virtual reality, all of those things that we're accustomed to being limitations, so like, you know, as a tall person, my size relative to everyone else, or, you know, my perspective um, are completely up for grabs. And uh, even to be able to literally see and experience something firsthand, because mm. um, I've done a lot of stuff in virtual reality, is, is something else. And it's a medium that's really hard to explain to others as well. I guess... The, the closest thing in, in culture, I guess, if you're familiar with Star Trek, uh, The Next Generation, the, 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 the holodeck, um, virtual reality can be like that, where you could be anywhere at any place at any time. Yeah. Um, it, it's got so. massive implications for, for things like education. And even mm. in, as a church who likes to talk a lot and be involved a lot in issues of justice around the world, um, yeah. because through technologies like virtual reality, for the first time, uh, for example, any university can have access to what would be a state-of-the-art sort of physics lab. Like I've got mm. a surgeon surgery simulator <coughs> on my 
um, in VR that was put out by the Irish School of Surgeons. I have no idea about any of the stuff that's going on because it's targeted towards medical students, but just the, the accessibility of knowledge that required specialised people or specialised equipment or even being able to do chemistry that would blow up and kill everyone. You, you can actually do those sorts of things in virtual reality or even to be able to do learn anatomy at, at one-tenth of your size. So that, that things like size and space are no longer mm. fixed. Yeah. You know, I've learnt more about the universe, the gal- uh, solar system in ten minutes, flying around it in um, titans of space. But in t- it's and even just t- uh, building things with people in Minecraft, you know, you got to ask questions around some of the fundamental assumptions around scarcity, like you know, space being limited, resources being limited. They're not even a thing in that space. So it. it really shifts your ability to to perceive and understand and participate in worlds but mm. but even to be able to have empathy i think is yes. perhaps the most profound thing in vr so like to be able to literally see and experience something first person yep. that you would never be able to see whether that's in a refugee camp um you know in europe whether that's being in syria in a street when mm. an ied goes off yes or you know yeah. the, these experiences that can be very uncomfortable that we can be insulated mm. from because you know in VR more than AR you're no longer a safe observer in the world. Um, mm. You know you don't see documentaries where the cameraman gets eaten by the crocodile, but that it, it, there's a real fear in, in VR when you're in these unsafe spaces. But mm. the thing that's been really interesting in the criticism I've heard around Pokemon Go has been people will critique that saying the kids are walking around just focused on their phone. So they're being pulled out of relationship and that it's sort of taking this online multitasking distraction to the next level. But perhaps the most profound thing that's happened in VR for me has been how intensely focused it actually is because you can't be doing anything else. Like finding time to play in VR is hard work because you, you can't be talking to anyone else who's not in the virtual space with you. Like I'll be in a room with people from all around the world playing um, Pictionary, like <laughs> sculpting in 3D space, which is very hard when people have different words for like spanner or wrench or <laughs> whatever. But yeah, you know, you, you can't be on Twitter and on Facebook and multitasking when you're, when you're doing yeah, these yeah. things. You're completely focused mm. on where you are and, and that was a real change for me in terms of how I consume digital media and the emotions are real that you that you experience <laughs> uh, you can be in a ghost house or something yes, or yes, a, a haunted house type of scenario and, and you experience everything the, the sounds the probably not the touches but that will come at some point I'm sure um, but but essentially you are there in that space and everything that's happening to you is is feels very real to the point yeah. that uh, you sometimes have to get out of it because it's uh, mm. the emotions are very intense. But even even being able to visit <clears throat> physical spaces, like mm. one of the things I've spent just hours and hours doing is visiting all different places around the world mm. just using Google Street View yeah. on in VR. So, you know, being able to visit, um, you know, whether it's sites out of the Bible, you know, um, whether it's sites from history that don't even exist anymore, being able to visit them mm. in a virtual space and be like, wow, you know, yeah. the Colosseum was big. Um, like, not in its ruinous, like, ruined form, but in its, yeah. in, in its original form. Um, and, yeah, just being able to uh, e- even... It was, a bit, it was a bit dodgily done, but even being able to, like, sit on a little hill and have a, someone who'd recreated the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. you know, being able to tell these stories in a way that... Um, feels very real that you're you're there. It's not just a story I'm 
telling you, it's actually mm. something you experience. Mm. So. Do you think that has the potential to be used in a negative way? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's no different from any other medium um, because you're vulnerable in that space. Mm. Like even simple things um, like uh, people having, you know, hand controllers and being able to invade each other's personal space in ways that are very uncomfortable um, and inappropriate is is just one of the really uh, obvious things that became apparent in some of the earlier versions of social VR that weren't real great. Um, because they're lessons that no one's had to learn yet. Yeah, mm. but even the way you remember things. Like, you know, I remember experiences in VR very differently in the way I remember things I've watched on TV. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it's a completely different medium in terms of how you experience it, how you remember it. And um, they're it, definitely... Because it's immersive? Is that... I think it's you, because you you're, you're... within it? Yeah, I, I, I'm really not sure your brain really knows the difference mm. between... Okay what's yeah, yeah. you know there are things that happen that are immersion breaking from time to time but yeah like you're you're there and you know pit um i think there will be i'm i'm sure very soon you know things on tv of people who've had you know horrendous experiences on vr like i remember when a, a 9-11 you're like you're in the towers thing mm. came out and it just invoked such a massive reaction from people in the u.s just because of the not only the disturbing nature of the experience, but even just how raw that was for mm. a lot of folk. Who... How is that created? Is it CGI or...? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like someone created it. Um, it was for some film festival somewhere or other. So it was sort of you're, you're in one of the... T- I think it was the North Tower. Um, wow. And you're sort of wandering around trying to escape kind of thing. But mm. yeah, so it's kind of like you've, you've got to understand that the experiences you get in VR are like a movie where the characters look at you and can address you and interact with you. So it's mm. no longer a passive observer. You're actually yeah, active, yeah. in the midst of it. And that, mm. that can be um, profoundly moving, but also, yeah, it's um, definitely... Uh, there's a lot, a lot more things, both good and bad, that can happen in that medium with that sort of raw access to your experience. So, I mean, we're going to have to probably wrap up in a minute, but one of the questions for me is if, you know, if I'm in a local church and I'm starting to think about augmented reality or virtual reality, like what's what's a first little toe-in-the-water kind of thing that as a, as a local church we could sort of start to experiment or experience or learn or play with some of the technology here? How, how do we get started? I guess um, with augmented reality, Pokemon Go is free and encourage people to have a little go at it to see what it's about. Because um, I think... The experience is quite quite good. Um, it's, it's it's great fun um, to do it, and whether people want to take that further, that's up to them. But I guess to be able to speak the language, um, so they know what what when all these people come to your church because you put down a lure, um, to be able to say, oh yes, I know what you're doing. Um, yeah. As I said, come and have a cookie if you'd like. Or yeah, I think I think what Craig's saying is a key part <coughs> of it. I think. Um, with with any, with kids playing any games, I think it's important to not just say, "Oh, the kid, the kids on their phone, mm. or the adults on their phone, yeah. or whatever." I think being able to ask, you know, well, what are you playing? Mm. You know, what's what's the game you're playing? You know, do you enjoy that? What's what's something that's happened in that? Because you know, if it's Minecraft, they want to show you what they've made, or mm. if it's Pokemon, they want to show you what they've what they've caught, or if you're playing Pokemon, you can you can share about that as well. So I think mm. I think not in the same way that you'd ask someone about an interesting book that they're reading yeah. 
I think it's worth taking an interest in what's happening on the other side of the screen, for lack of a better phrase. So uh, rather than just saying, oh, well, that person's just clearly looking at their phone, you know, asking, well, what are they doing while they're doing that for that? And, you know, there'll be, there'll be plenty of games now with, because, of the, because of the success of Pokemon, yeah. there will be probably a whole bunch of other um, lightweight AR-based games that come out. And um, the proliferation of VR as well is con- mm. continuing to um, happen at a fairly rapid pace. So, you know, there's something that you can even get for your phone or, um, you know, have mm. a go and experience a little bit of uh, what it is so you can maybe hold a conversation, even for 30 seconds, with, mm. <laughs> with someone who's done that. Or if one of the kids wants to show you, you know, take a look, have an interest. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't just be like, oh, I don't, I don't play that game. Or so, yeah. be interested. Practice hospitality. Yep. Welcome people. Uh, be a part of enjoying the world mm. around us. They're, they're. Yeah. I mean, they're not new lessons for us, surely. No. As a no. church. No, and and see see it as opportunities to engage with a community mm. in a in a particular way. Mm. So, you know, take, make an effort to learn the language of of that group who are coming to you. Yes. <laughs> I mean that opportunity where many churches have become poker stops. It's, it's 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 too good to pass up. You need to to get involved. Well, thanks for stopping by, guys. Thanks yeah. for having us. Great to have Craig and Stephen with us exploring uh, that really interesting kind of conversation. Uh, thanks for joining us for this first episode of Church Unchained. We want to invite you to join the conversation with us. Why not join us on Twitter at UCAQLD? or use the hashtag Church Unchained. How else can people join in, Marty? You can also jump onto the UnitingChurch.Queensland Facebook page and join the conversations there. And again, if you have any dangerous or innovative ideas that you want to share with us, email us at communications at ucaqld.com.au. And join us next time at Church Unchained.